We are going to be starting a new sermon series today called The Mission of the Gospel. And the question I have for you to begin with is what is the most important thing to know this year? What is the most important thing to know this year? We've just spent time looking on the past, what's happened, what is the most important thing to know entering into 2021? Any insights? God's still here. (laughs) That's important to know, right? He has things under control. Amen to that. That he loves us. Amen. All the... The gospel is still advancing. The kingdom is still advancing. Amen, right? And all these things um, we need to be reminded of, don't we? We, we need to be reminded over and over and over again because uh, Paul reminds us the answer to this question in 1 Corinthians 15. And in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul gives this explanation of the gospel. And something that he says that I find so crucial for us is he says, I passed on to you that which was of first importance. Meaning that if there's anything worth knowing in this world, if there's anything significant that you need to grasp as the church and the people of God, it is you need to know and understand the gospel. Now, why does he say this? Because we are a forgetful people, aren't we? Who here is a forgetful person, right? We're all forgetful people. I mean, that's just who we are. And, and especially, I'm, I'm not even talking about, okay, I'm forgetting my keys or I lost my car or something. I don't know where I parked. I'm not talking about forgetfulness that when your birthday comes around and you suddenly forget how old you are, trying to hide it or something, right? I'm not, I'm not talking about that forgetfulness. I, I'm talking about the forgetfulness of what life is actually all about. And the forgetfulness of the very reason that we exist in this world. And the forgetfulness that that understands that we are living out the story of God in our own lives and we forget even we are part of that story. We, We tend to forget about all of this. And so Paul comes to the church, the church in Corinth, and he tells them, he passes on to them one of the most early oral traditions of the gospel. And he says, this is the most important thing you guys ever need to know and ever need to realize. And he says, this is the gospel. Now, it's interesting to me when I, when I talk about the gospel and explain the gospel to some people, sometimes I get a pushback from people who have been a Christian a while, and they say, well, Mike, I already know the gospel. Can't, can't we just move on to something else? I mean, isn't there more advanced things we need to be talking about? Is, isn't there more important things that we need to be doing in the here and now in the season that we're in? And, and my mind just goes back to Scripture, which says, no. The, the most important thing in every season is the gospel, because the good news of Jesus isn't, isn't just something that we, we get and we understand. The, the good news of Jesus is something that we grow into deeper and deeper as life goes on, as life advances. We're, we're always growing into the gospel. and We never move from the gospel because we believe that it's a most important thing. 
And so this is this description of, of Paul saying this is what constantly has to be highlighted and at the forefront of the church. And so what is the gospel then? How, how do we describe and understand and understand what the gospel story is all about? Well, let me read 1 Corinthians 15 for us first, and then I'm going to get more into a deeper description of it. But this is what Paul says to the church in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, now I would remind you. Again, why is he reminding them? Because they forgot, right? And, and what's fascinating to me is, is Paul is speaking an oral tradition here in the first section of chapter 15. This is an oral tradition of the church that comes within months of Jesus' resurrection. And so this is something that has been in the lifeblood of the church ever since the resurrection of Jesus. And yet Paul is coming about 30, 40 years later and saying, I already need to remind you guys of this, right? You guys already forgot that this is the most important thing. So he says, I remind you of the gospel I preached to you, the good news of Jesus. And he says, in which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. And I think that's key language for us to understand. And Paul's saying the gospel isn't just something you get and you move on to other theology, understandings of God. He says, no, the gospel is something that you received. You stand in it now. There's a present reality of it now in your life. And it's also how you are being saved. It's seeing God's salvation work out in your life. In other words, this is the very aspect of your life that is being continued by the gospel. And then he says this, he says, For I deliver to you as of what? First importance, what I also received. He says, this is of first importance in the life of the church. That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. That he was buried. That he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive. In other words, you can verify this, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as one untimely born, he also appeared to me. And so Paul is giving this description of what's the most important thing in the life of the church. It's the gospel. And so as he talks about, he says, Jesus died for our sins in accordance with what? In accordance with the scriptures. That's another way of Paul saying the entire narrative, the entire storyline of the scriptures, the Old Testament, has all been leading into the person of Jesus. In other words, this is a narrative which all along had Jesus as the central figure. And it's this narrative that's describing in all of history that God himself has come to redeem and restore and reconcile all of creation through Jesus Christ. Amen? This is what God is about. This is what the story of God has been about. And Jesus is saying God's kingdom has now entered into history to renew all of fallen creation. It's all about God's restoration of fallen creation. And so this, this is the gospel message that, that Paul had been pushing into the church so that they wouldn't forget and he would remind them again and again and again. 
And, and ultimately, see, we, we see this life of Jesus fulfilled in accordance to the Scriptures, and we see how God's mission of redemption and reconciliation all came through in the person and work of Jesus. But what I want to focus on as we move forward in the study is, well, what is our role in the mission of the gospel? Because when Jesus dies, buries, raised again, he tells the disciples something, doesn't he? What does he just tell them? What are they supposed to do? Yeah, they're supposed to go into all the world, make disciples, preaching the gospel, but, but how does that narrative begin? What are they supposed to wait for? They're supposed to wait for the Holy Spirit, right? And he says, you guys are going to be included in my mission of redemption and reconciliation, but what do you need for that to happen? You need the power and presence of God. And so he says, wait for the Holy Spirit. And after Jesus' ascension, we see the, the Holy Spirit come and the a church begins to advance the mission of God and the church began to pursue redemption and re reconciliation. And, and even we see in Paul himself in the second letter to Corinth, he says the church has actually been given the mission of reconciliation. In other words, this is the identity marker of the church and so we see God saving people from all walks of life, but he doesn't just save us and rescue us from sin. He saves us into something. What does he save us into? The church, the people of God. We now become a community, a community that now shares God's mission. So this is the, the purpose and calling of the narrative of Scripture that we see now who constantly needs to be reminded of that? We all do. Every day. Every week. That's why the early church said we need to, they gathered daily just to ponder this. They gathered with the intention of reminding each other of the gospel, saying, we forget this. We forget that, yeah, Jesus has died for our sins, but now he's called us into a ministry of reconciliation. He has called us to join him on his mission of restoration. I mean, we forget why. We forget because each and every one of us has a different mission than God, don't we? If we want to be honest with ourselves, we would say, okay, even if we've heard the story of the gospel, we've heard what God is doing, and we realize that we're supposed to be part of that mission, so often we say, okay, that's God's kingdom. I want to live for my kingdom. I want to do what I want to do. I want to create the purpose and meaning that I want to live for. And in doing so, we reject this king. We want to control our own lives. And and somehow we easily forget the mission that we've been called to. And I mean, this happens all the time in kids, don't, doesn't it? When you tell your kids to clean their room and you come back 20, later, 20 minutes later and it hasn't been done, what do they say? Oh, I forgot to do it. Or I didn't want to do it, right? And this is our lives towards the kingdom of God is we often so neglect why? Because we simply have different purposes and plans for our lives. And so this is why Jesus comes on the scene. And the first thing he begins to teach in his earthly ministry is what? What's the first thing that he says? 
Remember Gospel of Matthew. I said this so much in our Gospel of Matthew series. Yeah, but before that, what did he say? Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Now, now why does Jesus need to say that? Jesus needs to say that because, first of all, we need to repent because we live for our own kingdom. And Jesus says, wait a second, the kingdom of God is at hand. In other words, the king is here, and you need to repent of your own kingdoms. Now, some of us see that as a threat. Some of us see that as a hindrance to our own lives, but it's actually one of the most beautiful things and graceful things that we could ever hear. Why? Because when we live in control of our lives, when we strive to make a meaning and purpose for ourselves, does it not just end in chaos and tragedy? It just fails over and over again in life and we're, we're left depressed and resentful and we're, we're left longing for a deeper sense of meaning that's beyond just our own individual satisfaction. And, and all these things that we truly long for are actually found when we repent and follow the kingdom of God and live for the true king. You and I are not good kings, are we? And so the message of the gospel is that Jesus is king. See, there's, there's this depth here that we need to grasp and understand if we're, we're going to get this because um, I've heard a few writers say that the, the gospel is is so simple that a child can understand it. And yet at the same time, the gospel is so profound that a scholar can spend their entire life studying it, right? Anyone experience that in their own life? And here's a simple statement. And I mean, to me, this summarizes the gospel very good. For a child especially, Jesus is king, right? Amen to that? Jesus is king. Now, a child can understand that, right? But you can take that statement and spend your entire life grasping what that means, right? To grasp the complexity, the depth of that statement that Jesus is king could take the entirety of our existence. That, that's why we need to comprehend that the gospel is something that we continually grow and grow in our knowledge and our understanding and our experience of. And so this is what the King Jesus gospel is all about. It's a gospel that calls us into the story. It calls us to the mission of the king, rejecting our own mission and purposes and following the mission of God. Now, why is this important? Why is this timely? Well, I think it goes back again to forgetfulness. Uh, D.A. Carson, who's, who's one of my favorite New Testament scholars, he has a quote that I've never forgotten once he said it. And he said, what we see throughout church history is that you'll have one generation who knows the gospel. And he says, what can happen is the next generation will begin to assume the gospel and assume that they know the gospel. And then what you see in the third generation is a generation that rejects the gospel that their parents thought they knew. And where do you think we are in our Canadian context right there? What generation do you think is rising up right now? 
The third generation, by far, since the 1960s, secularism has just skyrocketed, and we've seen uh, the Christian faith struggle in Canada. And why is that? I think it goes back to exactly what D.A. Carson was talking about, is we can assume the gospel. We can leave the gospel as some statement of confession about Jesus, but actually not let it transform our lives to the point where everything becomes about Jesus and his mission. That's what the gospel does. It transforms us. And so we need to realize that in our context in Canada right now, we have a major task before us. And I'm talking about the Canadian church, but I'm talking about us as a community church. We, we have a massive task before us. And if we want to be a church that says, as we enter in a new year, a new season, and Paul reminds us that the gospel is the first and foremost thing of importance in our life, then we have to allow that to speak into us and to motivate us and to transform us for the future, for what's to come. Because we live in a day and age where we have a generation of youth who have never even heard the gospel, or, or reject the gospel from what they've seen in the lives of some people in the church. We, we have to take this into account. I mean, I, I'm here and I'm, I'm still a little bit older. I'm still young. I mean, 33 years old. Some of you are younger than me. Some of you are older than me. But I still went to a high school, over 1,000 kids, there was probably five Christians. And do that math in your head and multiply it across Canada right now. And just fathom how many kids haven't even heard the gospel. There was people at Rebecca and I's wedding who had never even stepped their foot in a church building their entire lives before our wedding. And that's the reality of the Canada that we live in today. Now, we realize this and... And it's not to say, oh my goodness, we should be concerned. The church is falling apart. The kingdom of fall is falling apart. Why? Because what does Scripture tell us about the kingdom? The kingdom of God is always advanced, right? The kingdom of Hades cannot what? It cannot prevail. Why? Because God's plans and God's purposes are always moving forward and God will advance his kingdom. God will establish his church. We've seen that through all of church history, no matter what season and trials and difficulties the church has went through, the church has always come on top, amen? That is our hope. That is what we know to be true about God. And yet at the same time, God doesn't call us to sit back and be passive and say, oh, we know God's going to accomplish his kingdom, He's going to get it done. Why? Because who has God called to partner with him in this mission? The church. The people of God. And we get the joy and the honor of the privilege of partnering with God on this mission. See, the gospel leads us to mission. Uh, Charles Spurgeon said this. It's pretty bold. He says, in Christianity, you are either a missionary or, does anyone know? An imposter. (laughs) 
Pretty bold statement, isn't it? But, but what Spurgeon was, was teaching the people is saying, the story of Scripture is that God is a missionary God. God is always on mission to restore and redeem and reconcile all fallen creation. And so we as the church are now included and part of that mission. We are welcome into it. Therefore, if we don't see our lives through that lens, then we don't understand Christianity. If we don't see our purposes of being with God and partnering with God in his mission, then we don't understand who God is. He says you're either a missionary or an imposter. And let me read the, the larger context of that quote because I think it's quite powerful what he says here. But he says, once more, he who really has a high estimate of Jesus will think much of him. And as the thoughts are sure to run over at the mouth, he will talk much of him. Do we so? If Jesus is precious to you, you will not be able to keep the good news to yourself. You will be whispering into your child's ear. You will be telling it to your husband. You will be earnestly imparting it to your friend. Without the charms of eloquence, you will be more than eloquent. Your heart will speak and your eyes will flash as you talk of his sweet love. Every Christian here is either a missionary or an imposter. Recollect that. You either try to spread abroad the kingdom of Christ or else you do not love him at all. It cannot be that there is a high appreciation of Jesus and a totally silent tongue about him. You are either doing good or you are not good yourself. If thou knowest Christ, thou art as one that thou hast found honey. Thou will call others to taste it. He says, so be wise in your generation and speak of him in fitting ways and at fitting times. And so in every place, Proclaim the fact that Jesus is most precious to your soul. Amen, church? Those are powerful words, aren't they? And they're challenging words and they're confrontational words, but, but what it's doing us again is, is reminding us. It's, it's bringing us back to the very purpose of why we exist as the church, as the people of God. It's bringing us back to the very essence of what life is all about. If God is a missionary God, which he is, then we as his people are a missionary people. And so what do we see then? We, we see God's mission of restoration and reconciliation, which means that what does this look like then? What does it actually look like to be part of the mission of the gospel? What does it actually look like to be on mission for God? And, and so I'm sure there's a lot of preconceived ideas of what that looks like. There's a lot of preconceived ideas of what it means to accomplish the mission of God. I think sometimes we often have the thought of, um, I just need to evangelize more, and the more friends I bring to faith, the more people that come to Christ, I'm accomplishing the mission of God. In other words, my goal is just to get as many people into heaven as possible. Is that true? Yeah, it's part of it, right? It's, there's, there's an aspect of that where we're called to preach the good news to people. 
But at the same time, is the story of God so much more grander than that? It's so much more expansive. Uh, I mean, even the, the, the concept of salvation, usually when we use it in the church, we're just talking about someone who experienced salvation just being saved from their sins so that they can go to heaven one day. The salvation of Scripture is so much beyond that. Salvation is all about set free, made whole, delivered. It's, it's very close to the word shalom, which is why you guys know I love the word shalom so much. It's this wholeness, it's this completeness, it's the restoration to the way that we were created to live. And so the salvation of God and the, the mission of the gospel is not just to get a bunch of people into heaven one day, it's to bring restoration here and now. It's to actually experience transformation in your life and see lives transformed by the gospel. This is what Tim Keller says. He has a book called The Church's Call to Steward God's Mission in the World. And he says this. He says, The gospel is much more than simply saving souls. It will ultimately entail the complete healing of creation, including social justice, the reunification of humanity, and the end of physical decay and death. But even now, Hear that again. But even now, in other words, your life right now, it means bringing the health and coherence of Christ's Lordship back into every aspect of human life. The Christian church is to be a new society in which the world can see exhibited what family, business practices, race relations, and all of life can be under the kingship of Jesus Christ. Amen? In other words, the mission of the gospel, the mission we have as the people of God is to show the world what it looks like when Jesus is king. When Jesus actually has authority over our lives and when he's actually uh, working in and through us and as we live in obedience to him in every aspect of our lives, submitting everything to him, everything, that's the mission of the gospel. That's why the gospel is not a starting point for our faith. The gospel is something that continually transforms us as we submit all of life to the authority of King Jesus, our good and gracious King, who promises an abundance of life when we submit to Him, who promises us shalom and hope and peace and joy when we submit to His kingship and His rulership, where we are transformed. And so what we're going to be doing these, these next few weeks, we're going to spend a month and we're going to look at some key things of, of what is the gospel mission look like in very practical terms. What does it look like for us in our day-to-day -day lives to live out the mission of the gospel? And we're going to look at four different relationships. You can see them up on the screen there. And there's many words I could have used for restoring. I mean, Bible uses restoration 
It uses reconciliation. It uses redemption. A lot of R words. So <laughs> but we're, we're looking at what is God doing to restore? What does it look like to have a restored relationship with God? And, and, and how do we help others experience a restored relationship with God? What does it look like for us to have a restored relationship with ourselves? And in other words, how do we find the value and identity and meaning and purpose and value that we were created for? How do we restore our relationship with others? What does it look like to function in community? How do we, how do we forgive? How do we restore relationships with others? And how do we teach others to do the same? And then the last category, how do we restore this relationship with creation? Paul talks about how creation groans because of sin, how creation itself is longing for the redemption of God. What does it look like to live in this fallen state of creation? And what does it look like to experience restoration there? And so this next month, what we're going to be processing and discovering is, first of all, reminding ourselves of the gospel. Why? Because we are what type of people? Did you already forget? (laughs) We are forgetful people, right? We forget the gospel time and time and time again, yet this is the very thing that drives our life. This is the very thing that gives us purpose and meaning and value is the gospel. And and as we remind ourselves continually of the gospel, we realize that the gospel calls us to something. What Jesus has done and has accomplished for us leads us to mission. And we now join God in this mission of restoration, restoring relationship of humanity with their God, with their creator, restoration of our, ourselves and what were our identity and values, restoration with others and restoration with creation itself. And so let me pray to that extent and then we're going to go into a time of communion to remind ourselves once again of the gospel. Let's pray. God, first of all, we thank you that you are a missionary God. Lord, we talked so much last week about the narrative of what you have done throughout history simply to be with your people. That even in our sinfulness, even in our rebellion, you did not simply abandon us or discard us, but out of love you pursued us. And you died so that we could be restored relationship with you. But Lord, we also realize that in light of that restoration we have with you, that it restores us to something beyond ourselves. It restores us to the very purpose and meaning for which we were created. To experience true shalom in your presence. And Lord, we look around and we see the fracture and chaos and disunity of the world and we, we say, wow, this world so desperately needs God. This world so desperately needs restoration. And Lord, we look at our own lives as well and we see our own sin. We, we see the relational struggles We see the hard things that we go through in life and the suffering and the turmoil. We we even see how we can so easily neglect your kingdom and live for our own. 
And we realize we too so desperately need restoration. And so Lord, I pray that as we enter into this next month, that you would be speaking to us, that we would take seriously the words of Spurgeon that we are either missionaries or imposters, and that we wouldn't see that as a, a threat to our identity, but we would see it as a welcome invitation from you to live for something beyond ourselves, to live for something that will last into eternity, to live for something that we long for, the restoration of all things. We long for restoration, and we know it's only possible in and through you. And we thank you for the joy that you have given us to be part of that work so that we can see firsthand some of the fruit of what you are doing. We thank you, gracious God, for this gift to us, and we pray that we would be sent as missionaries. And as Jesus' name we pray, amen.